0: This is Susanna Hills podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Wow, it's good to be together. Welcome to those online. I'd like to echo Jackson Tins' welcome. If we're a little more excited than usual, it might have to do with the fact that for six months we've been planning the start of this series that's running for the next six weeks. On your way in, you should have received one of these books from our Connect team. If you didn't, they are standing by to get one into your hand. I think we've also got a few pens floating around because there's place in this book to write down the notes of today's message. So if you'd like a book and didn't get one, wouldn't you shoot your hand in the air and some of our amazing team will get that to you. Great, a couple of hands. It's actually an indication of how good the Connect teams are, that out of this whole building... Just a few people who sneak past the connect stations. Great. If you're watching online, you're going to have to join us in person at some point to get one of these books. There's also a PDF available um, on our website of this entire workbook, which you could download and print if you wanted to. But uh, we have got groups meeting and other churches doing this Purpose series with us. Just some of the places that Purpose is happening now together with us at City Hill Belito, There's a group starting in Kumcha in the Eastern Cape, Mossel Bay, uh, Pretoria, Johannesburg, Hout Bay, further afield in Portugal, in Mozambique. There might be others. If you're watching online and you're starting a purpose group somewhere outside of Durban, please let us know. We'd love to celebrate with you. If you are new to this idea of doing a series with a, a workbook like this, I'd like to just help orientate you. If you turn with me to page two and three of the workbook, You'll notice at the top of page two, it says purpose week one, Sunday notes. That page has been left blank for you to either draw a very nice picture or preferably to take notes of today's message. I will be giving some points that you can write down. Next to it on page three, that is for our midweek life groups that are happening. I think we've got 160 groups altogether doing this in our church. You'll be watching a short about an 18 minute video And in that video are some fill-in words. These are the notes from that video, and that pattern is repeated times six. Six blank pages for Sunday messages, six spaces for fill-in words. So it really is a good idea to join a group today, if possible, for the week ahead. And then if you flick with me to page 20, the third aspect, so the first two are Sundays and life groups, The third aspect are devotional readings that we'll do by ourselves, individually at home. So tomorrow, Monday, would be a good day to start chapter one. There are 36 devotionals. They are labeled chapter one through 36. And our idea is as follows. If you are hearing in a big group, if you're discussing in a small group, and you're reading and thinking alone this around the subject of purpose in uh, six weeks' time, Hopefully you'll have moved forward a huge amount because of the effort that you've put in yourself. So though there's six devotional readings per week, and there's space at the bottom of the page to fill in a prayer of thanks and a prayer of request, whatever you want to write in there. That's your book. This costs money to print, but we're not asking for, we're we're not selling them, we're giving them away. And I'd like to just thank our design team and the media team and everyone that's put in so much work into everything you see around us and particularly into this workbook. Terrin Williams as well for the content that he's provided here. I'm looking forward to doing this myself. So, if if you're taking notes, page two would be a good place to write it. But I'd like to start by asking how many of you have ever come across the story of Alice in Wonderland. Seen it, heard of it. And in the book, Alice and the Cheshire cat have a conversation. And Alice asks this question of the cat, would you tell me please, which way I ought to go from here? To which the cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. If you just leave those notes up for a sec, the title for today's message I've taken from that first sentence of the cat, where do you want to get to? So if you're writing notes on your page, you might like to title it at the top, where do you want to get to? To live life without a sense of purpose is to live, live like a rudderless boat on the ocean, just getting tossed By all the winds and by all the waves. The question about purpose that we are trying to ask and answer in this series asks this question, where do you want to get to? Or even more acutely, where do you need to get to? And if you, like Alice, say, well, I don't care much where, Then it doesn't matter which road you're taking, but the fact that you are here on week one lets me know that you would like to answer that question in more depth, and so welcome on the journey as we uh, jump in here. Now, speaking about direction, let me tell you the direction of this message. There's three groups of three in my notes coming up. I'm gonna give three uh, points from my main Bible verse, three black holes or false purposes to avoid, and I'm gonna land by asking Three pivotal questions. So that's just to give you an idea of where we're going. Now, our entire series is based on one verse in Ephesians 2:10. My hope is that in six weeks' time, you'll know this verse off by heart, because it's profound. This is what it says, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, "For we are God's handiwork. For we are God's handiwork." created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. For you and I are God's handiwork. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I'd like you to notice firstly from this verse, note who in capitals has done the initial work. God himself. When we come to talk about your and my life purpose, The starting point is God Himself. I love the fact that this verse says that you and I are God's masterpiece and that God has made good purposes for us to do. The starting point isn't you and I, the starting point is God Himself. Now, you might be here today and you've been invited by a friend to come on this series. A huge welcome to you. It's also possible that there are people here or listening online that you haven't actually settled your beliefs about God yet and about the Bible. I'd like to throw out this idea is that in our world, there's competing worldviews trying to answer the question, what is the purpose and meaning of life? Two competing worldviews we could describe as follows. The first one is the Eastern one. This includes religions like Buddhism and Hinduism. And every worldview asks this question, what is the purpose of life for individuals? Listen to this answer. This is out of, if I could say, this Eastern worldview, Eastern thinking. A Buddhist priest named Takafumi Kawakami was interviewed by two authors. They run a website called Questions on Purpose. And in answer to their question about the purpose of life, listen to his response. He says, there's no purpose in your life. The Buddhist approach is you're born, you die, you're born, you die, like physics, Like dominoes, you knock one and they keep falling that way. For individual human beings, there is no purpose. Or some would say the purpose of life is to escape this terrible cycle of being born, dying, coming back, being born again uh, as, as a second life, third life, fourth life, getting punished for what you did wrong. The second competing worldview is a secular worldview. Atheism naturalism would subscribe to this worldview. Uh, dare I say anybody who holds a nominal view of Christianity, in other words, you haven't, you, you haven't devoted yourself to following Christ. You're just like you're born in a Christian country, so you tick the box Christian if ever asked about your religion. And in answer to the secular view of what is the purpose of life, the secular answer would be as follows. It's whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want it to be. Bertrand Russell, who was a prominent atheist writer and philosopher, said that each of us, I don't want to misquote him here, that we are to each be a weary but unyielding atlas. Remember, atlas was the figure from Greek mythology that carried the whole world on his shoulders. He says, each of us are to be a weary but unyielding atlas, carrying on our own shoulders the world of our own making. So, the Eastern view, there's no real purpose except to try and escape the cycle. The secular view is you've got to figure out your own purpose and be the God of your own destiny. I'm so grateful that contrasted to that is this amazing verse in the Bible worldview that says that not only is there a purpose to our life, but there is a creator who made us on purpose and for a purpose. My dad, in his early years, up to the age of 28, would have pretty much fitted well into the second one of those worldviews, the secular one. His family attended church Christmas and Easter. The highlight of his week was happy hour on Wednesday night to go out with his buddies drinking. One Sunday, he attended a church service not dissimilar to this and sitting in the very back row, something happened in his heart that day where he realized there's a loving creator who made me for a purpose. I was designed for more than happy hour. That day changed the direction of his life. It wasn't instant and overnight. There was an initial change and then a journey of finding and living out more of his purpose up till the day he died at the age of 67. I'm so grateful to have been raised in a family where there was a man rescued from this idea of purpose into this idea of purpose. So what is your starting point to understand your purpose in the world? Is it, "I have no purpose, or it's to create my own? Or do you subscribe to this idea or you open even to this possibility that there is a one who loves you, who made you and who designed you on purpose and for a purpose? Which brings me to our second point, is that God does a work in us. We just read these verse this verse. "We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Now that word handiwork is also translated into English as masterpiece in some other places. In fact, the the root Greek word there, we also get the English word poetry from it. So Paul is saying that you and I, God did a work in us. He designed us as his masterpieces. I ask you please to look at one of your fingers and look at the, the thumbprint on your finger or on your thumb the lines and the little dots that you would see if you had a magnifying or mic- magnifying glass or microscope, your thumbprint is completely unique out of seven billion people in the world. There is a, design crea- a divine creator who designed you and I, whose thumbprint on our souls is as unique as the thumbprint on our hands. And when we were born, Took our first breath, the thumbprint of God was on our lives. And then, if you, like my dad, have had a moment of putting your faith in Christ, there's a second kind of divine rebirth that the Bible talks about where another kind of God's thumbprint is on our soul. Which brings me to our third point is that not only has God made us, not only does God do a work in us, but He does a work through us. God does a work through us. The rest of that verse, Ephesians 2.10 says this, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now if I keep going with this idea of poetry, that you and I are a poetic masterpiece, God writes a work in us and then through us. We are both his paper and his pen. And writing onto the storybook of your lives is a narrative that's been written by the hand of God, sometimes unbeknown to any one of us. But in retrospect, we see that God was doing something unique and beautiful in your life and in my life. But then in another sense, we're also his pen, writing his poetry out in the world. And that like the moon reflects the light of the sun, but has no light of its own. The poetic masterpiece of my life isn't Just designed by me. It's God taking my life and writing it in the pages of human history so that by interacting with me, people in a fraction of a way can see some of the amazingness of God the Creator. I love the idea that your life and my life are not just based on random chance. There's reason and there's rhyme to our lives, even though we might not understand all the poetry at the time. Some of you may recognize this instrument. It's called a vernier caliper. Now let's say that you were born into the workshop of a master carpenter of which I'm not. But I was given one of these. I didn't know what a vernier caliper was until about 10, 11 years ago. And I was given one of these as a gift by a friend of mine. But let's say that you were born, that's just you. But no one ever sat down and told you what your reason was for existence in the workshop, what good works you were designed to do. So you look at yourself and you think, well, I'm shaped a little bit like the hammers. So you're gonna hang out with the hammers and you start hammering away, but you realize you're not much good at that because you're far too pointy. And, and you get bent easily. And, and then you notice that the chisels are kind of shaped like you if you use your imagination. So you're gonna hang out with the chisels and you, you hang out with all the different <coughs> instruments in the, in the workshop and none of them are quite the same as you. <coughs> Until one day, the master designer of all of these tools comes down and says, little Vernier caliper, you were designed as an instrument of very fine measurement Much more fine than the tape measure. You're not as strong as the hammer, but you can do things that no one else here can do. And that measurement can measure the inside of a pipe or a gap. And that measurement is the same, but it's the outside. And and this measurement, which also is the same as those, is the the depth. And, And there's, did you notice those numbers on you, Vernier Caliper? That is an exact measurement of that gap. There's no other tool just like you in the workshop, but... You can't do it alone, you weren't designed just to be in isolation, you were designed to function as part of this amazing group or community, if you like, of masterpieces. You might be here today and say, I think I've got a little bit of an idea of my shape and of some of my purposes, but over these next six weeks, I want to dive into finding out from the master designer more of how he's designed me and what I should be doing with that. Now, just like with every good thing, there's a whole lot of false alternatives if you could imagine that living a life without purpose is like a planet just wobbling its way through solar systems, and then that planet finds a giant star around which to orbit, like our planet orbits the amazing sun. Every, every planet finds its orbit because of the star that it's next to. But when a star goes bad, it creates a black hole. Some stars implode and they become powerful forces that suck in everything around them, including light. And so instead of finding our orbit around the sun, S-O-N, many human beings find their orbit around black holes, which are deadly for our long-term purpose. Black hole number one, therefore, that we should avoid, and I'm listing just three this morning, there are more, but black hole number one is this, it's the black hole of me, myself, and I. Western culture, of the last few decades perhaps more than any other in human history has answered the question what is the purpose to life with the lamest possible answer. Live for yourself, for your fame, your success, your unhindered autonomy, independence. This hyper individualism has sideswiped our generation, which has more access to technology, media, Instagram, Facebook, etc., than any other before. And yet into the middle of this me, myself, and I generation that we all live in, Paul says this, this is the words of God from the Bible, Christ's love should compel us because we are convinced that He died for all, that those who live, here's the important phrase, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In his best-selling book on purpose called The Purpose-Driven Life, Rick Warren, the first sentence on the first page starts with this, it's not about you. It's an anthem that we need to hear so that we find our correct orbit rather than the black hole of me, myself, and I. And I'm sure that for every other parent, you like me are trying to raise our parents thinking beyond just themselves that there's more to life than just me, myself, and I. And yet the average 20-year-old in our generation will post more pictures of themselves online in one month than Augustus Caesar had images made of himself in his entire lifetime. And he ruled the Roman Empire. This is a dangerous black hole that we need to avoid at all costs. D.L. Moody said this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Black hole number two to avoid is material things. For many of us, this is a black hole that will consume decades of our lives. First of all, getting educated to make more money. Decades pursuing better a job opportunities, to make more money, to buy more stuff, upgrade our cars, buy and build bigger houses, and go on increasingly more fancy holidays, and somehow when you're orbiting this black hole, you imagine that your self-worth is determined by your net worth. Sadly, many people don't realize the lie that exists within the centre of this black hole until they're on their deathbed. Because often the most important things come into sharp focus when you've got no time left on the runway. And I never heard of anyone on their deathbed who wished they had made another rand, bought another thing, upgraded, etc. It's like into sharp focus come the most important things, which are generally around relationship and purpose. JD Rockefeller is considered to be the wealthiest American who ever lived. And after he died someone once asked his accountant how much money did J.D. Rockefeller leave behind to which the accountant replied all of it you and I can take nothing with us when we die and if that's true then truly that shouldn't be the thing that we devote the purpose of our life to Jesus put it like this watch out be on your guard against all kinds of coveting, wanting more stuff. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. The third black hole that I wanna comment on this morning is the black hole of the approval of others. The black hole of the approval of others. Every one of us needs healthy encouragement and input from significant people in our lives. There's a healthy version of, of approval that we get, but the moment that this becomes our major purpose in life, we can get sucked down a dark tunnel, the end of which is only misery. Elaine de Bottom wrote a book called Status Anxiety, which comments on our tendency to live for the praise of other people. Listen to his profound statement here. He said, the approval of others mattered to us because we are afflicted by an uncertainty as to our own value. As a result, we tend to allow others' appraisals to play a determining role in how we see ourselves. Our sense of identity is held captive by the judgments of those we live among. When you and I don't understand the value that we have intrinsically because God says we're valuable, we can end up spending our lives orbiting the black hole of living for the approval of others. And the problem with hanging your hat on that peg is that your life is then controlled by their approval or by their disapproval. Some people this morning, I believe, need to hear this. No matter the amount of bad and false and manipulative approval you've had from others, your life counts. You matter to God. You've got intrinsic value because you bear the thumbprint of God on your soul. Therefore, we don't need to orbit this black hole spending all of our time trying to keep everybody happy. Paul said this, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to notice and appreciate the contrast between these three black holes, me, myself, and I, materialism, and living for the approval of others in contrast to the verse that we started off with, that we are God's workmanship, created to do good works that He planned in advance for us to do. There is a sun for us to orbit around to find our correct purpose in this life. So in closing, well, an ending three key questions that we're going to be trying to answer over the over this series. The first question is this, what is God's purpose for all of His children? What is God's purpose for all of His children? We believe that if you read the Bible, you will see that there are things that God tells every human being to do. If you're a follower of Christ, you should be doing them. In fact, we, we've condensed them into five big ideas. They all start with the letter C. Christ, Christ-likeness, the common good, community, and the Great Commission. And over the next five Sundays, we're gonna be looking at each one of those purposes. So if you're sitting here today and say, I have no clue what my purpose is, in six weeks' time, you'll have five that all of us should be living for. That's the Sunday messages, and each message, if I could say, is unique. If you're gonna come with us on this journey, it will be good to try and get to all of them. In person's always better, but we also do have our recordings and our online, if you can't make it in person. The second question we're trying to answer is this, what is God's purpose for me personally? So the first one are the general purposes of God for all of His children. This is asking what is some of the specific purpose like the vernier that God has designed me for? Now, we're not gonna be telling you those purposes because it's unique to every person, but over the course of our six life group meetings, We're gonna be posing seven questions to help you try and answer more of that. So if all you do is Sundays in the workbook, you're gonna miss out this whole chunk of finding out some of your specific purpose. Listen to this amazing verse, Acts 13, 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When David had served God's purpose in his lifetime, he died. There's no greater testimonial, I think, for any Christ follower, but to know what God's purpose is in your generation and in mine, we need to first discover it. And so we're going on a journey of discovering some of God's purposes for us individually. And then the third question is, how do I fulfill God's purposes? There's no use answering question one and two and having that theoretical knowledge without actually doing something about it and putting it into practice. The 36 devotional readings that we're gonna be doing during the course of the series are designed to help us figure out next steps. Designed to put the answer to the first two questions into action. The beginning I asked this question, so where do you wanna get to? And for some of us to answer me, maybe I don't know, but for most of us the answer is probably, I don't know fully. And so on this journey, we're trying to get a little more clarity of the bull'seye of where our life should be aiming at, but starting a conversation in our heads that hopefully will last the lifetime ahead of us. I'd like you to imagine with me the day of your birth. None of us has a memory on that day. We were you told about it, probably. My parents told me that I was born in Hottentoots Holland Hospital, Somerset West. And the doctor who delivered me was Dr. Chips. There's a very proud photo of Dr. Chips holding me as a baby. Never had anything to do with him since. At a day in the future will be the day of your and my last breath. We don't know how that will happen, but we know it will. At some point, this physical body will stop breathing. The question we're trying to answer is, what about the bit in between? I'm pretty sure that you, like me, there's not a deep longing in your soul to just be an oxygen thief on this planet Waking up every day, just having no idea, no clue, doing whatever black hole pulls you that day in whichever direction, surely there's something inside of us that says, I want to be living on purpose and I want to make sure it's the right purpose. Remember what D.L. Moody said that I quoted earlier? Our greatest fear should not be of failure but but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. So we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to pray two prayers today. The first one is for anybody that's here or watching online. And as I've been talking, you've realized you've never had those kinds of conversations with the master designer. You've just been living for one of those black hole purposes, maybe in a secular worldview or an Eastern worldview of purpose. And as you've been listening today, there's something in your heart that says, my soul needs to come home. I never realized where home was, but it's a creator God who loved me enough to die for me, take the penalty of all of my rebellion and sin against him, follow him for the rest of my life. I'd love to lead you in a prayer that says, God, I'm sorry. And the second prayer that we're gonna pray is a prayer for help for every one of us that the great designer would continue to show us our purpose, purposes, as we go on the six-week journey together. So could I ask you to stand with me, please, as we close and pray? you fall into that first prayer category that I mentioned, your life has been on its own pathway, just for me, myself, and I, maybe material wealth, maybe the approval of others, and you'd like to pray that prayer with me that says, God, I'm sorry for doing things my own way. I'd love you to raise your hand in the air that I know who I'm praying with. If you're online, I won't see your hand, but I want you to raise it anyway, because God sees. Is there anybody in this building today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number in the balcony, all over the place. Hands being raised down here as well. If you've raised your hand, please feel free to put it back down again. And I want you to pray this prayer after me, please, in your heart, with all your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for designing me so amazingly. I'm sorry for doing things my own way. I wanna follow you wholeheartedly, finding my life's purpose that you designed me for. Thank you that you loved me enough to die for me, taking the penalty of my sin. I receive your forgiveness today. And I'll follow you with all my heart for the rest of my life and be with you in eternity. In Jesus' name. And Father, I wanna pray for all those that prayed that prayer, but for every one of us here and online, that we would have divine help, that over the next six weeks, you would speak deeply through the devotionals, the midweek discussions, the Sunday messages, and our day-to-day interaction with you. We want to commit ourselves to living life on purpose for the purpose you made us for. Every one of us are unique, so our answers will all be different from you on what that purpose looks like. But we know there's some big general purposes that we should all be doing. Help us to discover more and more of your purpose for our life here on earth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.